thank the chaplain of his extremely vibrant, very unorthodox, very creative, very exuberant in praise chapel and with his team for giving me an opportunity to stand before you. I don't take it for granted. And I just want to bless the name of the Lord for what you are doing in this place and for what he will continue to use you to do in the name of Jesus. And I want to appreciate you people of God for being in a place like this at a time like this. This is the last day of the first half of a year. And in manner about much. And then we're first half. We're second half. Okay? Between the first and second half, and then we're again, and then we'll be a break. And that break will come quarter to twelve tonight. The reason I'm saying that, if there's something that you have been waiting on the Lord to do, and He has not done it in the first half, wait for half time. Turn to somebody and say, wait for half time. It will come. Though the vision tarries, it will do what? Some time ago, I went to a better. And I walked into a shop. And there were these two, there was this lady who had been in the shop while a second one came in. And she kept looking at this second lady. Like she looked familiar. You know? So to Hallelujah. Your theme for this first half has been pressing toward the mark. And if I the yes team, right? Pressing towards the mark. And what appropriate way to close the first half than closing it with a praise to the Most High for what he has done in the first half, for what he will do in the second half, for what he will do next year and the year after and the year after. Pressing on with high praise. It's amazing, isn't it? Hallelujah. Pressing on with high praise. And our theme for today will be taken from Psalm 107 and we will read verses 15 to 16. Psalm 107 verses 15 to 16. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. For his wonderful gifts to men. He breaks down gates of bronze. And cuts through bars of iron. Thank you. King James. King James. You know, I so love, I so love King James in my wife. Because what King James said unto me to do, that will I also do. Thus I am saying unto thee this morning. Hearken unto the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah, somebody. 
hope that men. No. I won't hear Bible reading. Oh, that men and women and children and uh, adults. What did he say? Oh, that men. The word men is generic for every human being. Whether you are a man or a woman or a boy or a girl, whether you are fat, whether you are thin, whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you are fair, whether you are dark, whether you have two eyes or you have one eye, whether you have money in your account, you don't have money. Whether you are rich or you are poor. Oh, that man. Oh, that man will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Remember, he says, oh, that men will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of who? The same men who should do what? Praise the Lord. Go on. For he has broken the gates. For he has done what? Broken the gates of brass. Gates of firewood. Of uh, plywood. Of Mansonia. Of what? We'll look at brass briefly. Go on. The gates of brass. And cut the bars of iron in sander. God bless you, sir. You see the reason why we should praise the Lord? For he is good. Actually, Psalm 107, which is our, from where we're taking it. Can somebody read the first verse of 107? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good. For his mercy. Thank you, sir. Now read 106 verse 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Is there any difference between the two? No. It's the same thing. Now, in fact, an amplification of this psalm is Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God, His love endures Okay, thank you. Now, if you read down to verse 26, there is a recurrent theme. And what is that theme? Oh, give thanks for His love endures forever. That is why we have to give thanks to the Lord. One, because he is good. Two, for his love or his mercy endures forever. In that expanded Psalm 136, God should be praised for his works of creation and providence. If you read each verse after the other. For his deliverance and care for his people. His judgment on the enemies. His special favors to his people. His merciful providence to all men. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. The redemption of God's people is a proof of his goodness. Colossians tells us that he brought us out of where? Out of darkness. Out of darkness into where? His marvelous, now listen, 
it is not just light. Light China Out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that is why Isaiah 35 verse 10 says, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain what? Joy and and sorrow and sighing shall do what? Flee away. Do you have sorrow this morning? Is there anything that is making you sorrow? Is there anything that is making you sad? Is there anything, even as you're sitting down here, you remember it? You say, Is there anything that it is that when you remember this morning, you said, there is no hope? I have news for you. He says, and the ransom of the Lord. Who is the ransom? I don't know about you. If you are the ransom, let me see your hand. The ransom of the Lord shall do what? Shall come to Zion with what? Songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. Now, this, 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 these words are reflected in a hymn written by a, a man. How many of you have heard of a book, Paradise Lost? Paradise Lost. In fact, there was a colloquy of that book that was written after the man wrote Paradise Lost, which was called Paradise Regained. Paradise Lost was written in uh, 1667. But then that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the man who wrote the song. This, these uh, words. He took what he was writing from Psalm 136. He abridged, he paraphrased Psalm 136 and wrote it as a poem. His name was John Milton. And he was... If I'm next to Shakespeare in the UK, he's the most recognized writer after Shakespeare. After Shakespeare, John Milton was the most notable and revered writer in the United Kingdom. When he was 16 years of age in the secondary school, he wrote that poem based on Psalm 136 which today we sing as a song that says, Let us with a glad summary. Bless the Lord, for he is kind. For his mercies still endure, ever faithful, ever sure. Sixteen years. Sixteen-year-old young man in the secondary school wrote a song which to us today is one of the most Abiding songs. And this song was set to music by a man much later, and he used the tune we popularly call Monkland. Let us with a glad sound mind praise the Lord for his kind, for his mercy still endure, ever faithful, ever sure. You know the song. Man, I won't leave the young ones. And so we are going to sing that song, but not with the tune of Monkland. We are going to use the tune called Vienna. Hallelujah. This song, we put 26 verses. Beweer, 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 beweer,
in many hymn books, man, I get quite four. In Alu, you quite a pull three for a four. Do I have a promise you'll do that? was a song written by a 16-year-old boy talking about the goodness of God and why we should praise him at all times. John Milton was his name. Now, if we read in that psalm, verses 15 to 16, it says, Oh, that man will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of man. He has broken the gates of bars and cut the bars, bars, of, bars of iron asunder. It's, those words are found in verse 8, they are found in verse 16, they are found in verse 21, and they are found in verse 31. Those exact words. Four times in one chapter. Oh, that man will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. Oh, that man will praise the Lord. Now, praising the Lord, I brought somewhere. 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 I 
I mean, like we've just done. I mean, we've done a song of praise. And we didn't need to clean sweat. I'm not saying it's not good. Sometimes I enjoy it. Uh, you know, it helps me forget that I'm no longer young. I want to feel good. At any rate, the only place to feel good is in the house of God. Amen. Eh? Even with all your gray hair, it makes you feel good. Because it's, you know, the words of God says, He will give strength to our muscles, to our bones, to our tendons. Do you understand that? No, no, you don't understand. If I go 60, 70, 80 years, God says he will give strength to your bones. He will give strength to your muscles. He will give strength to your tendons. So you can, I mean, where is the best place to dance? Hallelujah. Oh, that man will praise the Lord. I think we should sing that.
praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. The immediate reason in verse um, 16 is that he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Now, some of the older translations will talk about bronze. The, the newer translation will talk about brass. Now, what is bronze? Bronze is an alloy. It's a mixture of two metals, of copper and uh, tin, will give you bronze. But if you mix copper with uh, zinc, it gives you brass. Uh, that's why, and when you look at bronze, it's, um, it's like fake gold. On a chaka gold, manawuhu gold. Eh? That is why in the Nabos in athletics, enye gold to kembu, enye silver to kem, enye, then the third point, I say, well, manage you and now manage you bronze. Or the car gold, manawuhu here. Bronze, it's a very strong metal. And in those days, it, it was um, it was popularly used by uh, by armies. But what does bronze re represent in scripture? It represents judgment. It represents God's God's judgment. In Deuteronomy 28, 15 and, 20, and 23, we'll read that when the children of Israel rebel against God and begin to do what they are not supposed to do, that the heavens will become like what? In other words, it will never reach there. Because the heavens have become as bronze. Unanswered prayers. Bronze naturally is used in scripture as a symbol of what is firm, of what is stubborn, what is strong, and what is enduring. Bronze. What does iron represent? In Daniel chapter 2, uh, verse 23 and 40, when Daniel was shown, the, was asked, uh, I mean, it's crazy. Somebody dreams. Hmm? Okay, as I am now, I come to you, I say, Mommy, tell me what I dreamt last night. Hey, are they possible? Remember, with man, it is impossible. <laughs> but with God, all things are that was what happened to brother Daniel. Brother Daniel, I my brother. I mean, brother in the Old Testament. He was carried as a slave by Nebuchadnezzar. And um, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and asked everybody to come and explain. Why? Because he knows, he knows that if he told them the dream, they will only open up or come Okay? You tell me the dream. And they say, King, how can you demand this of us? That nobody has ever done it. He says, eh, Better tell me three or trouble day, original trouble after. I say, King, I say, I say, for Daniel. I say, Daniel, I want Hebrew. Anyway, that one, I know what you got. Oh, we got that your man's here, man. Oh, we go see him. Do people say of you, no, we kiss here, man? Because you are following the Lord. Who chance not go see It's not me that will interpret it, but God will tell me what your problem is. And he related the dream and gave him the interpretation. And in that dream, he said that the 
fourth kingdom is made of iron, which in the interpretation we all and now we know that that kingdom was Rome, represented by iron. Iron breaks everything. Iron iron all the other things, including bronze. So iron, and that's why they made they used to make feeder, I mean chains, ejatundenga with iron. It's a metal that breaks every other thing. So when you talk of gates of brass, gates of brass, what are they? They are things that become a hindrance to you. They are things that become a problem. Gates of brass may be gates may be physical or they may be spiritual. They are erected to deny anyone passage or entrance into another place. They are sometimes setbacks and difficulties. Today we see a lot of young people are facing gates of brass. And what do they do? Instead of going to the Lord to solve their problems, they take their lives. They take the simple way out, take their lives. <laughs> but that is not simple. Because jam form or direct entry. Is there anybody who is in that situation this morning? You are facing a very serious challenge. You think there is no solution. I have a solution for you. He has broken the gates of brass. He said he has broken. He didn't say he will break. He says he has broken. So even before you began to have those bars, those gates, and you know bad, the bronze is very tough metal. And when they use them to build, to build gates, the gates will, will, will span like from here to the ceiling. Very big gates. And then I did think back. Now, we think there will be no bolts to them. So, how do they reinforce the gates? They take bars of iron, build hooks into the wall, across, so that they put the bars of iron across the, the gates of bronze, and you can't ever open it. So, when you have bronze, which already is a hindrance, and then you have bars of iron reinforcing it, Brother, original trouble there. You know what am I understanding? You see, the original trouble. But God has promised us that He has broken the gates of, of not only no water, the gates of the Bazija. Amamudi soji walk behind two pieces. We have a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, more than what we can ever think or imagine. Whether they are visible or invisible, the motive of gates of brass and bars of iron are to stop you from forward movement or progression. In a wonderful um, level, for the past 11 on on Friday we went for a burial for a good friend of mine. And another friend who went with us said, This man needs any help. No need help. No, no, go now full bank in this town. No, in one position for 12 years. That this young man was a manager before he joined the bank and worked under him. The man was his boss. And for 12 years, this 
Second young man has had six promotions. But this brother is still in one position. I tell you, people of God, it's a gate of brass. There are bars of iron. But the good news is that we have a God who never fails. I have a, come and sing with me. I have a God who never fails. I have a God who never fails. Who never fails. Who never fails forevermore. Gates of bronze and bars of iron can be destroyed by God. And he desires to make us free. The Israelites were taken into captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. They were in bondage in Babylon. But God told them that after seven years, I'm going to raise a man to free you. That man was not a born again. I said he was not a... He was an unbeliever. But God said he would use that person to deliver his, his, his people, Israel. He says that person, when he comes, was going to break in pieces the gates of bars, of brass. Isaiah 45, verses 1 and 2. Thus said the Lord who is anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand I have been holding to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two lead gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee, and I make the crooked places straight, and I will break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in sunder the bars of iron. Cyrus came with a very large army, and he was standing before Babylon. We are told historically that Babylon had 25 gates of solid bronze and solid iron, 25. And he came with his army and stood before Babylon and was contemplating those the gates. And I'm sure he was saying, what am I going to do? How am I going to get into this place? He was contemplating and observing the gates. Did that break them down? No, it didn't break them down. But God did. So you have problems. And you are looking at the problems. You are staring at them. You wake up in the morning, the problems are there before you. You go to bed at night, they are by your side, by your, in a world pillow. How many will tell their own pillow? And you wake up before you tell in the morning, no tetago, kweginaka, tiovoyana, I still do. And you keep observing this problem day in, day out. Will that ever make the problems go away? No. I wish to disappoint you. They will not go. For there is somebody who is able. There is somebody who is able to make the gates of brass. We can no more break. Now, gates of brass could be our heart. The terrible habits we get into. The terrible things we do. Even as Christians, we have gates of brass. You wake up in the morning, day in after day, day by day, night by night. You never consult the manual. Okay, manual. Never read your Bible. You never pray. Say, God knows I'm busy. Does God really know? Does God really appreciate your busy? He said, God will understand. Do you think He really understands? Get of brass. We live with them. We see them every every day. In our churches, we have gates of brass. 
We come to the churches, the churches are cold and lukewarm. No life. They are gates of wrath. We need a change. Turn to somebody and say, we need a change. See, I know what change next level. I put a man came change. I put a change. What was their change? Go on next level. Matter that change, I walk on it. We need a change. Cyrus didn't have to find a way to break those gates. God did it for him. Amen. God did what? So, what is the relationship between gates and what we are discussing today? Pressing unto high praise. What is the relationship? Which is our topic for today. What is the relationship between gates and high praise? Psalm 146. Psalm 146. Verse 6 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. And what? I want you to turn up Psalm 146. It's very interesting what it says. There's something else there. Psalm 146, I mean, sorry, 149, not 146, 149 verse 6. Let the high praises of God be on in their mouth, and what? A two-edged sword, where people, that's spiritual warfare. It means that you cannot overcome your problems without those two. Something in your mouth, something in your hand. The mouth always has what? Praise. The hand always has what? Uh, but we have reversed the order. We now have taken the, the, the sword and put in our mouth. That is enough. You reverse the order. That is not the proper order. The order is that the high praise will be in your mouth, and a two-edged sword in your hand. Now, when you read um, what we call the Hallelujah Praises, Hallelujah Psalms, each Psalm starts with Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Normally we say Praise the Lord and I say again, no, no, we're only saying the same thing. I won't be back in your tautology. You say Praise the Lord, they say Hallelujah. No, you say praise the Lord. You also say praise the Lord. <laughs> so, that's why I'm just like here. Uh, the method is, you say praise the Lord, I say amen. Praise the Lord, may it be so. But we say praise the Lord, it's equal, hallelujah. Hallelujah is, is praise the Lord. Now, the word hallelujah is a Hebrew word. The, 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 um, the root word is hallel. Hallel is the highest form of praise before God. When the Hebrew is going through a Hallel praise, it's the highest form. And, I mean, we can't define it, but we can describe a few of instances where there were Hallel praise. First Chronicles chapter 15. David was moving the Ark of the Lord to Jerusalem. And the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. In verse chapter 16, verse 34, he said that we're singing a song. I will, I will show you what that song did. No way, we're going to go to 
In Second Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon was dedicating the temple. You remember the story, the dedication of the temple. And they also sang this song. And they said the presence of God did what? Came down. And it was so much in the temple that all the priests covered They could not stand. That's what the Bible says. They could not stand to minister. All of them were prostrate on the ground. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, we remember that particular story about the king, Bro Jeho. And it's the problem with some of us. He they had almost finished him. God saved him. Because God was keeping him for what will happen in Second Chronicles 20. He followed Ahab on your job to fight. And that one, Jericho, you know now, wear your, your armor. I will just wear, I will just wear one t-shirt. I will wear mufti. King, you mufti, Adana. You know, she says something there inside. So Ahab, Jericho, wore mufti to battle. And Jehovah, didn't think that So as they went to battle, they said, Ah, see the king of um of Israel, Achu Jehovah. They say, Ah, that's not the king of Israel. And one soldier said. If I just shoot this arrow like this, suppose I just shoot this arrow, suppose I just shoot and let it just go kill Ahab. And he shot the arrow. And God directed the arrow, directed the arrow. God will direct the arrow for your enemies. Whether you shoot them intentionally, because he fights your battle. He knows where they are. He knows their soft spots. He knows their weak points. Just Fire the arrow with your prayer and praises, and God will direct the arrow. Anyway, in chapter 20, Second Chronicles, three countries, three people came to fight against him. And uh, one of his sons of prophet said, I had administration last night. Look, you don't need to fight in this battle. I said, hey, what are you going to do? See those three people. Amodka, uh, AK-47. You said, he said, relax. You don't need to fight in this battle. That God says the battle is the Lord. He said, hey, so what do we do now? He said, yeah, but, um, but that day, make a suit. Oh, in the face of battle, in the Europe, hey, but he says, go and bring the choir and let them sing. And there is a song they sang. I have to go there. Ezra chapter 3 verse 10. When the foundation of the temple, of the second temple was laid after the captivity. They sang the same song. And they said, When they started singing, I don't know whether it's the same, but in Acts of Apostles chapter 16, 
we read the story of a man called Paul and Onyazuya called Silas. They had cast out an evil spirit from a girl, which should be a thing of joy for everybody, isn't it? Manu may be open to maybe business. Because this girl has a wife. So when the Kirikiri stopped battering, the man who owned the woman said, Moka, Egana, and whipped up people in the hand. They beat away poor Paul and Salah in a Tinkakrupan. Uno Kanada Tinka. Go to Tinka and see what they do to Paul. Kocha Paul and Salah. And if you read some of the newer translations, he said they put them in stocks. Stock of with a hole in the center and a hole besides the, the bigger hole. Make I see how you become run. And they bound them with chains. And the Bible says in Acts of Apostles, Paul and Silas began to sing in the night. They were not thinking the type of stuff. Hey, He said they began to sing, and the prisoners had them. It was not a quiet song. It was a violent song. You see, hey, he said, what did they happen for cell number fifteen? And when they did this. They said, the Bible says, suddenly there was an earthquake. I don't know what song they were singing, but I think it's the same song. You want to know the song? It's simple. For he is good, and his mercy endures forever. In Chronicles chapter 2, it's the same song. In Second Chronicles 20, it is that same song. In Ezra 3.11, so, if you ask me, what do you think is high praise? I think that is what high praise is. Now, notice something. It is not addressing situations they have found themselves. No, it is not addressing her, if only bro, 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 cheese of her head, or since transfer. But it's a situation where you know that. You are totally, completely helpless. And that if God does not come down, trouble day. And the song comes from your heart. The song is not one of eloquent words. Dearly beloved brethren, the scripture with us in sundry places. <laughs> it is not, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thou who art seated in the high heavens and the earth is your footstool, and thou causest your enemies to fall and die. <laughs> it's a song that comes from your heart, a song of few words, it's a song that exalts God, a song that says, God, it is you and nothing else. A song that does not look at your circumstances. It doesn't look at your problems. They say, hey! Nekwe ne mantino! A song that does not look at the mountain. 
a song that looks up to God. My faith looks up to thee, thou Lamb of Calvary, Savior. That is a song from the heart. It's a song that acknowledges God, a song that says, God, you are the only solution to this problem. Jehoshaphat didn't have any solution, did he? No, he did not. Paul and Silas came with a solution. They did not. They were in chains. The gates were barred. Bars of iron. What they sang from the heart. They worshipped God from the heart. That is what high praise is. That is what we should learn, begin to learn to do. It's not in the busyness of a song. It is not in the amount, the number of instruments that play. Are you hearing me? No. It is not in the number of words you sing per second. No. It is not in the in the arrangement of a part. Soprano, alto, tenor, bass, running in the part to raise. No. Some people say, "Say, I will say, and we're mono." We're mono, eh? So bad. We're mono. It is not in the beauty of the. Of the of the liturgy, it is not in the in the correctness of the lexis and structure of the of the lines. No, it is in the complete release of your body, soul, and spirit to Him who is able to do all above all that you can ever think or imagine. That is what. And that is the type of song that will break down the gates of brass and cut asunder the bars of iron. Does it make sense? It makes. Hallelujah. And when we look in the New Testament, when Jesus said to, to, um, he said to to uh, to his disciples in Matthew chapter sixteen, "Who do men say that I am?" I said, ah, oh, oh God. now you ask this question. Ah, some say you be prophet now. Because uh, yeah, oh God, they say you be a liar. So, but he turned and said, "Who do you say that I am?" And the question is to you this morning: Who do you say? Your creator, your maker, your redeemer is. Who do you say he is? Because if you know who he is and you declare what he is, then what he is will work for you. What he is will come true in your situation and circumstance. And whatever the gates of brass and the bars of iron is, who he is is able to bring them down. Who do men say? And he said to, to Peter, when Peter declared that thou art the Christ, the son of Elijah, he said, flesh and blood, they, they, they reveal this to you. And on that confession that he is the Christ, the son of a living God, he is going to build his church house here. Church is on him. Church house here. No, 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 no. Church, 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 Jesus, 
And he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. Eh? The gates of hell shall not prevail. That's what, what our, our Lord and Savior says. God had told Cyrus that when he breaks the gates of brass and breaks the bars of iron, that he will release to him the hidden treasures of the secret places. You know what happened? When Nebuchadnezzar went and went to Jerusalem, took all the golden articles and everything, he went to his hidden chamber, Jesus. And when God made this promise to Cyrus, he said he would give to him the treasures of that, those treasures that have been hidden in dark places, those treasures that have been hidden in, in, in very dark places, he will release. And when God begins to break the gates of brass for you, the hidden treasures, can somebody say hidden treasures? The hidden treasures, the treasures of darkness, will be released to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, all we need to do to knock down the gates of brass is to constantly have the high praises in our lips and the two-edged sword. This is the two-edged sword. You constantly have it where? In your hand. Thank God technology has made life easy. Omonye phone eba Bible nadero. Omonye mwe phone Bible nadero. Virtually, in fact, some people have like 20 versions of a Bible in their phone. Ubone ki ena akwe. Omonye phone eba I have my Bible in my phone. So what? Ubone ki ena The high priest should be in your mouth. And the sword, the two-edged sword in your hand. And when we do that, and we seek the forgiveness and the love of God, He is going to send His Son, Jesus Christ, who will cut asunder the bars of iron. There is a lady called Cecil Francis Alexander. Cecil Francis Alexander was married to the man who became the Archbishop of Ireland at the time, at the, the 17th, uh, uh, 17th century, uh, 18th century, sorry. And her husband was impressed with the type of songs she was writing. She was writing songs for little children. You know that song? There's a friend for little children. You know that song? She was writing for children. So the husband asked her, look, I'm going to preach next week. And my sermon is going to be on the calling of Simon, Andrew, James, and John. I want you to write a song on that theme. And she wrote that song. And she wrote the hymn that says, Jesus calls us all the tumult. As he called Simon, Andrew, James, and John, he's still calling you today. Are you ready to answer? Are you ready to answer? We will sing that song. 
the tune for the song for that song will this one will sing is what is called Newton Friend. We are going to sing it to that tune. And as we sing that song, and you want the gates of brass and the bars of iron in your life to be broken, please come here. Are you hearing me? We all have. You want us to together put our voices and our hearts and our hands together and pray. People of God, look, the gates of Brazil children are in Nigeria now. All the all the dangerful. Gates of, of brass and bars of iron. And it is only the high praises of the people of God that will bring them down. Are you hearing me? If you have any gates, any bars of iron, you will come here. As we sing, Jesus calls us over the tumult. Are you ready? I should have more than 533. Thank you very much. <laughs>
want to give your heart to his obedience, come forward. You want to serve him best of all, come forward. You have a mountain, you have a gate, you want broken, come forward. You have situations that only God can change, come forward. You have a need that only God can meet, come forward. You have a health challenge that only God can meet, come forward. You have problems in your families, in your ministry, in your workplace, that only the hand of God can change. Come forward. You have a need in your family, a need that only God can meet. You have been owing so much, you don't know how to meet that. Only God. He calls us over all the tumult of a wild and restless sea. And he says to us, love me more. He says, Christian, do you love me more than this? We have a God who is able to meet all our needs. A God who can, who, he says he has us in the palm of his hands. And none can snatch us out. This day, the last day of June. Tomorrow we are going to step into an awesome period. And God wants to do a new thing. Just bend down your head, close your eyes and speak to the Lord. He alone knows every heart. He knows your situation. He knows your circumstances. He knows what is bothering you. He knows that you don't have anything to eat when you live here. He knows. But he says, do you love me more than this? He says, I will do a new thing. I am going to do a new thing. Seven is the number of perfection of God's purposes. And tomorrow we are stepping into seven. God is going to do a new thing. I will ask uh, uh, Dr. Honor to please come forward and pray for the people of God. Just begin to thank him. Thank him from your heart. Bless him from your heart. Let the high praise of God be on your lips. Let that praise never depart from your habitation. And God, God, God who did not spare his only begotten son, God who gave you the Holy Spirit, is able to do all that you think or imagine. First of all, if you are standing because you are inviting Jesus for the first time into your heart as your Savior, you want Him to be the controller of your life, you are trusting God to forgive your sins because Jesus died for you, I would like to see you raise your hand. Yours is a very, very, very important prayer which we would want to make separately. May I see your hand if you are such a person. 
Father, we thank you for this hand that is raised. Lord, your word has made it clear to us that those the Father gives me will come to me, and he that comes to me I will in no wise cast out. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you receive this one. To you be honor, to you be praise for the rejoicing that goes on in heaven on account of this in the name of Jesus. Pray this prayer from your heart with me. Lord God, thank you for loving me. Thank you that you are greater than all the sins I have committed. Thank you that Jesus bore my sins on the cross. I come to you now, O God, on the basis of what Jesus did for me. I ask your forgiveness, O God, because Jesus paid the price for my sins. Lord Jesus, you have been knocking in my heart. Come in today. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Cause me to walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for receiving me in the name of Jesus. Can you lift up your hands, the rest of us that are here? Lift up your hands unto the Lord. Father, thank you for the challenges. Thank you for the difficulties. Thank you, Lord, for those things that have stood as gates of brass. Those things that have been as bars of iron. Lord, we give you thanks and praise. For they are opportunities. They are evidence of your, t of your great power which you release upon our lives. Lord God, we give you thanks that you are greater than them. And we turn our hearts unto you with full assurance of faith that you will do for us according as your word has said in the name of Jesus. Father, first of all, we ask your cleansing. Lord, we recognize that it is sin which hides your face from us, which makes your arm not move out to save us. And Lord, we bring repentance, O God, before you, where we have been at variance with our brethren, where unforgiveness has lurked in our hearts, where jealousy and envy have motivated our thoughts and actions. Lord, we ask for the cleansing that comes by the blood of Jesus in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask for the cleansing from every compromise. Compromise with evil. Compromise with the standards of the world. Compromise with that which the world says is necessary, but which you have said is abhorrent. Father, we ask for that cleansing, and we receive from you power to walk in holiness, walk in uprightness, walk in forgiveness, walk in love towards our fellow man, 
And Father, we set our hearts on rejoicing on you, rejoicing in your word, rejoicing in the things that you have done. Lord, we have not come here so as to collect your treasures and go our own way. We have come here, O Lord, to rejoice in you, experience your salvation, and follow you on the way. Lord God, therefore, we receive right now. We receive right now. We receive right now opening of the grass gates, opening of the bronze heavens, and the pouring of rain upon every one of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ, to you be glory, to you be honor, to you be praise, to you be adulation. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. 